Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Derek from the Homeless Gospel Choir. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there in internet land who are new to the show... Welcome! Please feel free to make yourselves at home, and as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now today, my friend Krista is on the show, and for those of you who do not know Krista, she is someone who I typically don't talk to on the show. She is not a musician or somebody involved in the DIY music scene here in Pittsburgh, but... She is someone who's actually involved with the art world in Pittsburgh. She works for the Mattress Factory and works for Runaway Studios over in Bloomfield and helps, uh, you know, put exhibitions together and shows. And today we're going to talk about the parallels between the DIY music community and what I guess she's a part of, which in some ways is the DIY art community. And, you know, just compare everything between them. There's actually a lot more in common than I think maybe both of us had realized before we started the conversation. And it's a great conversation. And I look forward to you hearing it. So that's all I'm going to say. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! Whenever this starts to sound like worth listening to, <laughs> I will start it. Okay. And whenever it becomes too miserable for I have fallen asleep listening to it while editing. Take it out. I will cut it there. That makes sense. So Yeah. We were talking about bullshit before yeah. I started uh, recording. Yes. The bullshit of Of the art world. The art world and the world in general. Yeah, true. So you've been involved in all of this fancy schmancy art shit for a couple years now yeah like five years i would say yeah probably. and you're getting more and more involved mm-hmm. which is good right <laughs> yeah that's, that's, the, that's so. the point that is the point it's a take steps forward not backwards that's usually what people want to do <laughs> <laughs> how's it been it's been really interesting I'll say that much, because when I started in the art world, it was my freshman year of undergraduate, and uh, have you heard of Pittsburgh Center for the Arts, PCA? Yeah. Got hired there. Um, it's a gallery space, an education space, and like a shop to sell like the crafts of the art world, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, and I was working in that shop. And it didn't feel like much of anything, really. I mean, it's cool what they do, like selling the crafts and everything, but it's not that creative. Sure. (laughs) And like being uh, just an undergraduate student, having the ability to do anything creative is basically non-existent uh, unless you create it yourself. So uh, I went through my undergraduate just 
working in like small positions at PCA. Then I started volunteering at the mattress factory. Uh, and after like two years of volunteering, they hired me. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it took a while, but, but uh, I'd say being there is what sort of influenced me to try something because I do installation work there. So a lot of uh, actual handiwork like building and tools and yeah. all of that nonsense. Sure. Uh, and working with the artists themselves was like really interesting. Like per the, oh, artists have like such personalities. Sure. Oh my God. I imagine the <laughs> art world, the more you become involved in it, the more it actually becomes the art of their personality and how they handle themselves yeah. more than like the actual work that they produce. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I was like, like, all like blissfully unaware in my undergraduate of like this beautiful art I want to like work with these people and then when you start working with artists you're like oh my god they're insane sure <laughs> what do you do uh but that's the fun of it really is like dealing with different personalities and runaway studios has like taught me that more than anything it's amazing how different each of those experiences can be like putting up di different installations uh -huh. with different artists you have like your ideal artist like who checks in with you like every week like <laughs> here's what i'm doing what do you think of this can you look over this for me these are the people i want to invite i'd like to put this artist statement up and then there's the ones that you don't hear from the entire time no matter how much you contact them and then the what they told you in the beginning is not what you're putting on <laughs> at the end of the day which can be very disappointing <laughs> Or exciting. Or exciting. You or know, exciting. that artist stereotype of shutting out the outside oh, world, yes. the, the locking <laughs> into the cage of my soul. I'm going to produce this work and then it'll be ready. And yeah. then you get it. And then and I you're get like, it. Oh, what? Yeah. Now, the art itself, I'm always like, that always seems to evolve over the time of when we commissions the piece, commission the pieces to be in there and when they're actually in the space. It's more of like the events that get real weird. Like, okay. I would say, like, because we rent out the space to, like, bands sometimes. We rented out the space to some dancers sometimes, and that ended up being an album release show instead of a dance. So it changes all of the time. Yeah. But uh, you learn. You learn. You make a contract. You give it to them. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, probably, that space in the city. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that want to make things happen yeah in such limited avenues to oh, make yeah. those things happen so <laughs> oh, yeah. everything but he's like how can i be involved in this can my band play let's do this let's do that the yeah. thing is like ah <laughs> we can't take it I, all i looked at my phone today uh, yeah. obviously i looked at my phone today that's of kind course. of a stupid sentence but i was checking facebook mm -hmm. and it was like you have 12 upcoming events today that i've been invited <laughs> to how am i supposed to keep up with anything how Facebook. <laughs> is, I know things you, are happening. You gotta be like 15 minutes at each, at each one. That's what an art show is anyway. 15 <laughs> minutes there, go to the next one. I saw it. I spoke to him. <laughs> that's, what, that's what those gallery crawls are for, really. Yeah. Is to sort of come, like put it all into one easy avenue. But I It's have, still not that easy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not that easy. Especially when it's all spread out over the city. Like, I w I'm, I'm hoping for Penn Avenue to survive. Because, especially with all that construction. Like, yeah, well, I like, think a lot of it's done right now. 
Yeah, there are. And or is it, has it just moved? <laughs> <laughs> the street is done, but the sidewalks, I think, are the new project. Have you walked down there as of lately? I mean, I'm only by Spack Brothers and Roboto okay. when I'm down there. Yeah. Well, the, the sidewalks taking, like, are all, all fucked up now. <laughs> and uh, First Fridays, which is the annual, or not annual, monthly gallery crawl, uh, a lot of the galleries wouldn't even be open, and a lot of them wouldn't change their shows every month. Sure. So uh, it's sort of sad how that how much that affects like that street of galleries when it's really the only art district, quote unquote, that we have. Other yeah, than there's like downtown. A, it's like very condensed. It is in that area right there. Yeah. yeah, I know Bunker. Have you heard of Bunker Projects? No. They're really great, and I okay. I hope they succeed uh, so much. I think they are. It's a, a it's like the Mattress Factory in that it's a smaller residency program. So they bring artists in from out of town or even out of state, um, and they live in the space, and then they build their exhibitions in the space that oh, they're cool. living. So it's a great project. Where is that? It's above Roboto. Oh, okay. That's, have you ever been up there? Mm-mm. You should wander up next time you're around there. Okay, sure. It's a really cool program, and they're going to be working with Assemble to do education, which is like, uh, Assemble Gallery is the one of the galleries on Penn Avenue that is more concentrated on education and, like, younger kids. And uh, okay. I feel like both of those galleries can revive the Penn Avenue Gallery well, I don't know spot. anything <laughs> about, like, the art galleries. Yeah. Art. I think it's fascinating, but it's yeah. just, like... It's, in, it's option paralysis. So <laughs> it seems like there's so much stuff going on. Yeah, but it's so in itself. Like you have to be in that art field. Yeah, exactly. To I don't know, know what's happening, what, like, which is a problem, which I think needs to be fixed. Okay. So, uh, All right. Look, so how's the problem? Oh man. How do we fix it? <laughs> we're trying to do that with Runaway, in that we're both with the artists that we take in, the bands that we take in, and, like, the smaller events that we take in, trying to reach different pockets of Pittsburgh. Sure. Because the art pocket knows about it already. So if we expand outwards, like, Justin Nixon's show was a huge part of that, in that he is not in the art world. He is an animator, and he's a filmmaker, and his collection of people... Which is, like... (laughs) art in some way. It is, but not connected but, to the fine arts of yeah. like, so that's that, that's, I get really hung up on this art word. Okay. <laughs> and how people perceive it. It's hard. It's you definitely know? difficult. I feel like if art doesn't mean everything yeah. to you, like you're an asshole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I totally get it. Like, I mean, I... I call yeah. people an asshole and think they're good people. I just, yeah. I freely use the word. I had uh, an argument about what art was with a, with a friend uh, like a month or so ago about, we, he was arguing, he's trying to argue that sports was art. I don't know if I can get behind that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> I could not either. <laughs> and he's like... I, you can maybe look at it from an outside perspective as like some chaos and like I don't know like make some sort of an art piece about it a very long time ago I played a show with Girl Talk this was like in 2002 or 3 before like he was a huge deal and it was at Garfield Artworks oh Garfart and he wasn't even doing like DJ mixes from what I remember it was like him with like some like electronics a drummer and like a guitar player or something Mm -hmm. just playing synchronized music mm-hmm. like freeform to tackles 
like old oh. Steelers footage. Wow. For like a half hour. That's, That's what made me think of it. So like that was like a weird sort of like art performance sports yeah. being related thing but i don't think but sports itself, but that's like a it's a comment yes <laughs> that, that's something a lot more than just like going to a sports a sports and this is art so <laughs> I, I don't know about that what we ended up agreeing on is that uh the action of sports in its like agility and grace, I guess you could call it. I'm gonna air quote grace. Okay. Um, because a lot of sports, uh, a lot of grace is involved. So, I, like, what I'm thinking about football. Are we like comparing this to like ballet dancing or like well, maybe professional like, wrestling? <laughs> could be any sports, yeah. but like we agree that it is. It can be seen as artistic. Elements of sports, perhaps, can be seen as artistic. But what art is was really the argument, and my argument is that art must have a concept, and there must be a, the intention of it being art. Sure. Okay. So that is what I define yeah. art as. If someone makes something just to be something, um, it can perhaps be seen as artistic, but unless that intention and that concept is there, I don't consider it art. And that's just my current working definition like of what art with a capital A is. <laughs> I'm going to like sneeze Do it. into handkerchiefs <laughs> for a month yeah, and save them and put the dates. Mm -hmm. And that is an art piece. But if you just sneeze and leave something on my table, mm -hmm. that is not art because you weren't there was no intention behind it I'm but gonna, then i could take it yeah and i could make it art from your like the data yes 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 i actually agree with all that no matter how insane that yeah. sounds it's bullshit but <laughs> back to that back to that but i agree essentially i mean are you familiar with uh like the dada movement no okay so it was this movement at like the turn of the century where artists were taking normal objects like everyday manufactured objects and putting them in galleries displaying them in galleries as a comment of saying it's the area in which you view this object that makes it art so the most famous piece is by duchamp and it's a urinal that he just put on a pedestal in a gallery, signed it with a fake name, and said, it's art. And uh, of course it wasn't taken well right away, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but it really did change uh, all of like modern and contemporary art from that point on, I would say. So that, your Kleenex could be the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what commentary I have to attach to it yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Just let me sit in my cage for a couple weeks. Leave me alone. Start brooding yeah. some more, and then perhaps you'll come up with a Yeah, no, we'll get back. You'll commission this idea. It'll be great. We'll put it in Runaway. Just not a problem. The thing that's actually really cool about Runaway is that it's. I've been to some art events before, mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily been very inviting. Oh yes. Okay. And the cool thing about Runaway is that it's very inviting. That's what we want. <laughs> it's incredible. And, and it's unique. It's like a weird little dingy mm -hmm. space yeah. and everybody's nice and <laughs> there's cool stuff to look at. I feel like I'm just like too laid back for like the fine arts world. It, it is very highbrow. Which I think a lot of galleries, maybe not so much in Pittsburgh, but in larger cities, want it to be highbrow and want it to be um, removed 
from the public, especially like galleries where they're selling work. They don't want you, tourist man, in there like sniffling sure. all over their eyes, <laughs> which is a problem in some cases. It but. goes back to what I was saying. This is like not about the art itself, but mm -hmm. it's the the social aspects of it yeah. and like the status of being able to view this <laughs> art or eat this plate of food that yeah. only I can eat because I can afford it and yes. I've worked my way up to look at this mm -hmm. piece of art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're trying to make it, it as inviting as possible. I think the decrepitness of the space almost <laughs> makes it inviting because it's not like... Like, I know myself, I don't know about you, but when I walk into a museum, the, like, your normal white cube museum, you, like, you stand up a little straighter, you get a little quieter, like, sure. you start, like, it, that environment changes the way people act, um, I mean, you can just see it, you mm -hmm. stand and watch people walk into this gallery, we want to, to make it a little less scary for people to come in and view art and make it a little more inviting for people to interact with art, um, and I hope we're achieving that. <laughs> I think you are. I, going back to the fancy art mm -hmm. gallery viewings, I think that if the artist's intention was for it to be viewed like that, mm -hmm. then I guess I'm okay with that. I think a lot of art is made for the wide cube, so. But yeah. the thing I like about a space like Runaway is where the art was created probably mm -hmm. doesn't look too different from runaway shy, space yeah. i like because it's a studio the chaos of it and yeah. that's that ties into like i prefer to see music played in grimy weird areas <laughs> rather than it you know like stage ae or some mm -hmm. nice fancy place i like you know i never thought of that that it that our space mimics the studio because it essentially is a studio we have yeah. a painter and a poet in there working during the weeks that's really interesting to me, actually. I had never thought of that. Uh, and the music thing makes sense as well, because most people practice in, like, a garage or a, a shitty little, like, sure. rented-out space. And it's it doesn't make it more authentic, perhaps? I'm not sure. Maybe it's just how I view yeah. it. It's whenever I see, like, a very crazy painting mm -hmm. in a really clean space, it almost feels like that urinal that's not supposed to be there for <laughs> okay, me. Okay, yeah. It's like, uh, this doesn't, this didn't come from here. Okay. You want to see to it in the studio with all the mess around it and on the artist himself. I would prefer that. Interesting. That's very interesting. A lot of people argue that because the white cube is this like sterile space, um, it makes you focus more on the art itself. But I don't know if I agree Possibly. with that. The white cube has so much connotation now that I think it's lost that sterility that it originally had. Maybe. I don't know. We're exploring. <laughs> it depends We're on. I think it just depends on what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. So, do you feel more comfortable viewing like older art, like before the like the modern periods, like before the 1900s in the museum? That's what I was thinking. Okay. I think that environment makes more sense for that, mm -hmm. and I don't know why. I've never really thought about it until now. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Maybe you can't imagine where those painters yeah. were painting because we are not connected to those time periods. <laughs> so, so like because it's ancient and because the artist doesn't exist anymore, the only appropriate place you can put something like that is in a museum. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You know, somewhere that smells of death and famine. <laughs> <laughs> just like rotting meats, like that's what I imagine that time period <laughs> just smell like. <laughs> that's probably accurate. Uh -huh. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 
Now I want someone to, like, put on an exhibition where they, like, create that environment, that, like, nasty, like, disgusting, oh, yeah, you have like, to, like, hay on the ground and, like, put all of, like, <laughs> these, like, beautiful paintings worth millions of dollars up on this, like, nasty space. Oh, everybody would hate you. <laughs> I want to do it, though. <laughs> Is it sad I want to do it? That sounds fascinating. Uh-huh. Who would come? Would it, like, would those higher class people even come to that exhibition? It all depends on how it's advertised to them, how it's presented to oh, them. Of course. You can convince them to think any bullshit oh, yes. is great. <laughs> you just need the right vessel uh, to advertise right. that bullshit, mm -hmm. that spokesperson for the bullshit. Yeah. How do you become a spokesperson for the bullshit? <laughs> well, there's a lot of spokespeople for the bullshit in the art world. Like, there are people but that if they, like, I don't, money, money. <laughs> Okay. I'm just gonna straight up answer with money is what that makes, makes sense. these people because they can purchase the work they can make their collections and if you become prominent enough there's a man in the art world named Charles Saatchi and if Charles Saatchi even looks at a piece of artwork and says he is interested in buying it and doesn't even buy it that work immediately has more importance because he just said that it's unbelievable. So who's this guy? <laughs> Where did this guy come from? How, like... Well, I mean, he was wealthy, obviously. I don't remember exactly what he did before, um, but he... Oh, no, I remember. Marketing. He was in a marketing firm. So um, him and his brother had this marketing firm that was very successful. And from that, he gained a lot of money and started buying a lot of art. Okay. So he became a collector. And once he collected enough art, he opened his gallery space in which to show his beautiful collection. Sure. And from there, uh, that gallery gained prominence. And from there, he continued to buy work. And uh, if you are not now, if you're shown in the Saatchi galleries, you're just like, you're famous. You're, you've made it. That's like, you've made it in London you're in Sasaki galleries it's absolutely insane how important this like if he even shows up to a gallery event like oh man like when he purchases work that work if it is an auction will like double in price just because he purchases something else owned by that artist it's amazing how important there's like there's like maybe like five or six people like that in the art world that that have that much control. it'd be really cool if that guy went off of his rocker and just started like <laughs> you know like Buying stuff from Ikea and their stocks go up. Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe. He's really into shock art. So, like, um, things that are, like, offensive to a lot of people. Cool. So, <laughs> that might be interesting. I like, I like offensive stuff. Yeah, it can be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think people should be as offended as, as needed just because there's, like, a dick on it, but, you know... <laughs> Eh, dick's a dick. <laughs> Everyone likes to act like they haven't seen one or It's a penis. Had one oh my in their God. hand. You know, they're they're around. <laughs> yeah, they're around quite a bit. <laughs> so Yeah, but a dick in contemporary art is shocking, but a dick in like a classical sculpture is beautiful. Which I don't know. It's how like that the size happened. changes. <laughs> they're like <laughs> they're in the <laughs> They're in, like, uh, you know, older paintings. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like, I don't think dicks were that small then. I think they're just kind of, like, they're squeezing them in. Like, it needs to be there, but maybe not so much emphasis, you know? 
But now well, any, the dick is a statement now. Yeah, well, yeah, anytime, yeah, anytime you see it, it's like, oh, this entire painting is a dick. Yes, and it's saying something. It's not that he, this man is naked, therefore we must show his dick. It is like, I hate the government, here's a dick. <laughs> it's something like that. So from five years ago, Krista. Yes. <laughs> to today, Krista. Oh, God. How have your tastes in art changed personally? Oh, my goodness. I have no idea. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I was definitely interested always in like the modern to contemporary period, which if we were to like roughly estimate when that is, I would say like 1890s till now. But as a, a, a high school student, you're only exposed to so much art, like the art historical canon, what everyone should know. Here are sure. these paintings, here are these sculptures, you must know these things. Or uh, you shouldn't be a student because you're an idiot. <laughs> but but uh, as I learned more and more, I became more and more interested in conceptual art, which is more uh, concerned with the concept than it is with the aesthetics. More like philosophy than like actual art. So like naturalistic paintings or like realistic paintings really don't interest me that much. Yeah. Like they're very technically sound. And can be very impressive, but it's the concept of these pieces, of these more uh, contemporary pieces, that I find way more interesting. Like sure. One of the more famous contemporary artists is a man named Sol LeWitt, and uh, he's pretty well known for these uh, like murals that he creates, but um, he doesn't paint them himself. So when a museum or a gallery purchases a Sol LeWitt, you get a piece of paper with instructions on how to make Curates this these ideas. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the dimensions and the colors you must use in this space to create this painting. And you and your gallery assistants and installers make this painting, and it is a silhouette. So it's usually done by not technical artists? Uh, per se? They, or well, well, if they work at a... It depends. Yeah. It depends on the what that museum hires. Like, anyone could paint it. And if it's... Uh, he even defines sometimes that even if you mess up, it's still a soul of wit. Like, and like his name is associated with it. So he's more an artist of ideas than of actually creating. And that's, it's like the norm now. Like, do you know Jeff Koons? Mm -mm. He's huge. Um, do you, know, you probably do. Those balloon animals. Have you if, seen if I them? Saw it, They're like perhaps. in New York. He's like a big deal. Um, a lot of people hate him um, because he doesn't make his art. He doesn't touch it. Uh, but like Andy Warhol didn't touch his art either. Damien Hirst didn't touch his art. So all of these artists are more. The artist started off, I believe, as like a hand, and now the artist is a brain. So I'm much more interested in the brain artist than I am in the hand artist, essentially. Okay. I can get behind that. Just a lot of creative think ideas, yeah. different different ways to approach different mm -hmm. things. It's sometimes your idea might be too big for yourself. Yes. And you, if you have the mm -hmm. the bullshit <laughs> uh, magnet yes. to get people to flock to you and make these huge, huge things, things happen. Mm -hmm. And he does. I mean, the things like especially Jeff Koons makes are these enormous, like technically perfect sculptures with like no mistakes and he makes these balloon animals 
and they are, if you ever get a chance to see them in person, I recommend it, because you cannot find a flaw in these things. They are literally perfect. Bizarre. And, like, if he was to do them, he probably wouldn't, like, he, he hires, like, actual technical companies sure. to make these art pieces. Sure, it's, uh, the technical abilities that you need mm -hmm. are somebody that went to school for something completely different not even in the art field at all exactly yeah <laughs> so it's a weird it is melding weird, of worlds it definitely that's and neat to the point where they've actually created a new business model so like those people who did go to school for like medical metal work excuse me and technical things these they've started businesses that cater to artists so sure. instead of doing like actual like building projects and stuff like that they have uh bullshit yeah they have patrons of artists <laughs> and i totally understand how people can think that like that's why i think everyone thinks contemporary art is bullshit because they're like it's white canvas there's nothing on it i don't get it like okay cool but the concept behind it in that time period is fascinating so basically i think contemporary art takes a lot more work because you can't just look at it. You might need to read that sure. label and you might have to do some background research. Um, but I think it can be a lot more rewarding if you put the time into it. That's the problem is that the average person just that they're not going to see that. Yes. You know, if I could like mm -hmm. all these albums on my wall, I would probably exchange most of these mm -hmm. if I could have like DVDs with the making of the album and be able to see how sounds were created mm -hmm. have them talk about what they were thinking and the entire process behind the album itself rather than the end product is mm -hmm. a lot of the times more fascinating to me i agree i mean that's a lot with that totally corresponds with the contemporary <laughs> art completely um, so i get it okay going back just a couple footsteps to something that i thought about and i wanted to mention okay. just with like a you're talking about how it's technically impressive to see somebody paint like a perfect rendition yes. of a person but mm -hmm. it's not very interesting yes i remember i had this moment one time when i was hanging out with my friend colt and his daughter emily okay. and i was just like looking at her drawings mm -hmm. they're just like scribbles but like she's like telling me like what they are mm -hmm. and i was so much more interested in like how she made these ideas come from her head onto paper yeah than like somebody that has an idea and knows perfectly how to do it but yeah. like rather it's like this like little like undeveloped <laughs> child's brain like scrambling to make these things work and yeah. I just thought it was completely fascinating I agree with you and yeah I think that sometimes a lack of experience technical experience can lead to better art in a weird way there's like an ignorance mm -hmm. that um I think that is possible I think that well. when you become too technically proficient mm -hmm. you start to create a wall for yourself you don't let okay. yourself do things as uncontrolled or as raw mm -hmm. anymore i listened to music that i made before i knew anything about proper production techniques or mixing <laughs> or you know and it's this is completely insane where was i at yeah when i when i listened to it and it's like oh i just had no idea what i was doing this is like completely mm -hmm. just wanting to get something out there yeah. doing whatever i could now it's like well I better make sure the low end on that kick drum sounds right or else the mix is going to be fucked before I even get like, started. Yeah, it's all these preconceived notions of what music should be or what art should be yeah, in that genre or media. Yeah, it fucks with me. And mm -hmm. I wish that, like, I'm so happy that I have all of this technical know-how now, but okay. I want to, like, backtrack and figure out how to get back to using my abilities and knowledge, but 
in a way that's like raw and uncontrolled. It doesn't feel so okay. meticulous. That's really interesting, actually, I think, because there are some artists out there that, that are not technically trained, uh, but a lot of, like, these artists that you see, like Picasso, for example, sure. like, his more abstract pieces, and when he, like, found his way into cubism, uh, before that, he was an incredibly sound, technical drawer. Like, yeah. perfect. So, and a lot of the times, people validate like that sort of experience like like oh i see this now but uh like and it's abstract and weird but he can do other things so he's a good artist he can be technically sound so he's a good artist this is just him trying something and i hear that a lot sure which i find very odd that you need to you need that technicality even if it's not seen in the work you're seeing currently to make that work worth something which i don't think is true no I but think it's, it's just it's some, something I do here, which I find interesting. <laughs> I think that for somebody like that who had one entirely different style and mm -hmm. was like, I need to, you know, hit the reset button, but there wasn't reset buttons then, but you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start over and yeah. do something completely different. I think mm -hmm. it was just, uh, I don't know, you know, that person finding their <laughs> calling and just wanting to get back. Who's, who knows? What kind of stuff Picasso was doing before these nice paintings that some people are aware of. Yes. Maybe. The things that have been lost through time. Right. Who right. knows? Maybe. It could have been maybe like... Maybe he was, as a child, he was like a, like a prodigy though. Like a little young boy, like making all these beautifully technical things. I think that whenever you are behind the curtain long enough, mm -hmm. you see things different and you're able to output them different. You know, mm -hmm. who will know what he was seeing when he was doing his later work mm -hmm. and what he was envisioning when he was doing. You're not going to know. Yeah. We could, we could pretend like we know. Oh, sure. <laughs> but, but if that's actually true, God knows. My favorite moment is, have you been to Falling Water? Have we ever talked about this? No, I'm an idiot, right? I've been into art my entire <laughs> life and I live in Pittsburgh and I have not been to Falling Water. Okay, well you need to go. I know. <laughs> but our tour guide was hysterical. Have I told you the story? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe, I, I forget things you've been gone. <laughs> well, we went to uh, Falling Water. Our tour guide was this older woman who was probably doing tour, like three or four tours a day for mm -hmm. the past you know, who knows how long, <laughs> a very long time. And she's nice, but kind of over it. Mm -hmm. And we're like walking through like this really crammed hallway. And she's like, there's this and there's that. And there's a Picasso. And there's like... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> Everybody's like, and then she just like keeps walking. Like nobody's like not even like stopping to look at it for like a second. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Stop, lady. Stop. <laughs> It was like, you know, like in like a really tight hallway, like yeah. right there. Just something that you have, you like, you've had it for so long. Like, it, it it's so weird. But just it's to really have funny. that, like, uh, <laughs> the nonchalantness of the statement was like perfect. Like, yeah, this Picasso. lady could not give any less of a fuck about her job right now. There's no way. And this is probably worth a few thousand. <laughs> That place is great, though. You should really go. I need to And now's go. a good time of year to go. I know. And I'm leaving in four months. 
grad school. Yes. It's a museum studies program specifically, so it's going to teach me how to do stuff like grant writing and like making sure there aren't bugs in my paintings and like <laughs> knowing how to, like technical things that no one wants to actually do, but you really have to learn. I'm actually incredibly excited. Sure. It's like <laughs> all the business crap with music I'm learning now. Yeah, you need to learn it. Um, I mean, grant writing is probably the most important thing ever in the arts world. Uh, like, we... Like, convincing people of your bullshit. Oh, yeah. Like, that's this a, is That's essentially what it is. Oh, yeah. You're this art is culturally important. Grad school Please to give be a me... professional bullshit. Oh, yes. I mean, I went through... <laughs> I mean, my undergraduate degree is total bullshit as well, so... Oh, sure. <laughs> Well, as soon as you stepped in the door, it was bullshit. Yeah, I was like, welcome to art history. Your life is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. (laughs) I love it so much. It hurts. But but yeah, I mean, I wish I knew how to grant, right? We probably could have done uh, more interesting things at Runaway. Um, We're actually trying to get money for this exhibition we want to do in July with Justin Nixon again. Um, and we, he wants to make these like beautiful, like light displays and like shadow boxes, but we need money. So, um, so if I knew how to grant, right, (laughs) perhaps that would help. There's ways around it though. So we're hopefully going to figure that out. So obviously there's a right and wrong way to grant, right? Yes. But essentially you could do it completely unschooled yeah. but might not be incredibly successful i'm sure there's like certain yes. like tactics and yes ways of reeling in your bullshit there is there is there's you need to know who you're writing to and what foundation you're writing to and like cater it to their mission statements mm. i mean no one really wants to say that but that's what you do oh, okay um and so you're of convincing them that by giving you money they're actually helping themselves. Well, yes. Everyone is always helping themselves. <laughs> always. That's what everything is. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one actually helps anyone. Like, sure, you're giving all this money yeah. to charity, but your name is freaking right the on that sticker. Is dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Um, which makes me, like, almost not want to write to these people because Runaway has, like, seriously, we've, like, we've done Runaway on no budget at all like we have no sponsors and no patrons and all that stuff and a lot of it is done just through donations that we get from our visitors so thank you visitors for helping us do this um sure and that's really exciting that we're able to do it completely independently because when you're not independent you have to cater to whoever is paying you unfortunately Mm, and then that could change your uh it always does. It always change changes. Change what you want. <laughs> yeah. Change what you're trying to do. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what, like, big museums are dealing with all of the time. Started wanting to make baby back ribs. <laughs> Left with a cupcake. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not the ribs. <laughs> there are ways around it. Like, have you ever heard of, like, Supanat? Or, like, it's, like, this, like, community collective sort of thing where, like, these people get uh, a restaurant to donate a bunch of soup. You pay $10 to go to this, uh, like, eating event. And then during, uh, while everyone's eating, artists or, like, collectives are pitching ideas. So um, instead of the money coming from this big corporation or, like, institution or, like, foundation, uh, the people who attend this event get to vote on who gets the money to uh to realize their their art project. Oh, jeez. It's really interesting. So only one of them wins? Only one of them wins. 
Jeez. It's hard. Yeah. But, but if you win. Gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, you get like 800 to to $1,000 or something like that. So maybe we'll try that. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe not. And that's, I mean, that's the, le- the learning process of like running this gallery with no background, which is super fun and super chaotic. Yeah, it'll be cool because whenever down the road, when you eventually get into a more professional mm-hmm. realm of this sort of thing, you'll have this experience and yes. you know, you could tell people about it and they'll be like, oh, that's cute. Or you can just pretend <laughs> that it never happened. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> or you just pretend that it never happened and that you never did it. Just keep your experience silent and then just act like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm a natural. Oh my god, cute is like the worst backhanded compliment ever. Oh, it's cute. That's super cute. Yeah, it's yeah. Regina George. Oh, gross. <laughs> That's super gross. No one ever wants to be called cute. Man, I truthfully think that, like, runaway got me into college like my my grad degree like because my grades weren't like up to par I had like like a 3.43 when you like needed a 3.5 or higher so thank you weird coincidences I mean that place happened so odd like it we just all sort of stumbled into each other and we're like let's do something I guess we have this space because Sadie and Andy the two studio residents uh were just working in there and uh, they started throwing these things that we called verse sessions which are every third Saturday of the month and it's an open poetry reading and um you can play music if you want or if you just want to like have a platform to like speak whatever you can do that as well so those have grown significantly over the months and um i originally came to her because i needed a solo curated exhibition to even apply to some of these grad schools uh, which is crazy because if you don't have the background how are you supposed to do it? Um, yeah. Because none of these bigger galleries will take me. Sure. Because I've never done anything. So I went to her because her studio uh, was so large. and um, Yeah, it's a big space. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and I was like, hey, can I throw an exhibition here? Uh, I'll give you all of the donations that we make from this um, to like fund your, your rent and... Uh, and then I'll have something good to put on my resume. So the first exhibition happened. We had two artists at that show, um, Julia Betts and Zach Lee, and I just uh, sort of coordinated their work together and wrote like an artist statement, like, excuse me, a curator statement to like connect them. And that show went pretty well. And uh, Zach, the artist from that show, had the idea that, uh, that we should do this again. So we set up a meeting with Sadie and Andy without my knowing and then told me one day, hey, come to this coffee shop. We're going to talk to Sadie and Andy. And I all of a sudden became resident curator that day (laughs) (laughs) and uh, without my knowing. And they're like, yeah, put on an exhibition once a month. I was like, cool. Okay. (laughs) I have time for this. Cool. Yeah. I was like, okay, that sounds fun. And now it's becoming twice a month and it's just growing from there. But it's probably an experience I will never have ever again. So I really, I really appreciate the time I've had here, even if I stumbled onto it accidentally. So. Well, that's just if you surround yourself with the right people mm-hmm. in the field of work that you want to be doing, stuff like this, you're not really stumbling into it. Stuff like this is bound to happen if yeah. you 
put yourself in the right circles. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel incredibly lucky as a 23-year-old who runs, like, mm-hmm. a gallery space. I mean, what? Yeah. I would have never expected that ever to happen. I mean, so, like, I thank God for, like, Zach and Sadie and Andy being there because they gave me this opportunity that I never would have had before. And that's why... At Runaway, we don't charge any of the artists. They take 100% of the work that they sell because this opportunity is helping all four of us as much as it's helping the artists that we put sure. in there. That's why everything's free. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, we have no ref- financial responsibility to it either other than paying rent. So we want it to be free, and we want it to reopen, and that's, I guess, what brings us back to that more inviting atmosphere that... Yeah, it totally makes sense. ...that we've created, because we're not making a profit off of it yeah. at all, um, which is fun. <laughs> it kind of it goes back to the um, the music thing again mm-hmm. for me. It was like a DIY show space versus a huge stadium thing yeah. where people have a bunch of money tied up versus kids just trying to make this happen and yeah a space that they have it's you know i feel like there's a genuineness to it of like good old-fashioned trying <laughs> uh-huh. we're just trying and like i think that shows through a lot and uh it tends to be a little more honest but i mean is that doesn't necessarily have to be better though yeah. Than, like, the big institutions. Oh, sure. So. Just because something is DIY doesn't mean it's good. hmm Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is a, a thing that I think a lot of people don't like to admit, especially in, like, the music community. I don't know about the art community, but it's just because, you know, it's independent, you know, or even eating. Just because this is organic doesn't mean I want it. I'm going to like the way this tastes. So there's even... There's, Back oh, to the bullshit. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I experienced that as much in the art scene, but... <laughs> Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't know, it's hard for me. I'm, like, thinking a lot now about the people you were talking about mm-hmm. who have these big ideas and commission other people or get other people on board to help their mm-hmm. ideas help them. And I feel like that's kind of like where I'm at now mm-hmm. with like my music thing and my psychs and okay. my, my psychs. That's how I feel like I am with my psychs because I've essentially curated like this group of people to like take these ideas that I've loosely written yeah. and like bring them to life. Yes. And it's like, this is stuff that I couldn't do on my own. I can't play the drums on my own. Mm-hmm. I can't play guitar. But I can, like, drop down ideas on my computer mm-hmm. and give it to you and you figure it out. And yes. it's like a weird connection. Mm-hmm. And I wish that, like... I think it's, it's more funny. accepted in the music world than it is oh, in the Oh, definitely. Art world. Yeah. Definitely. Because it's, you know, you I'm, I'm the writer of this music. But it's like, I'm the writer of this artwork. Yes. <laughs> What? It's a a weird way. Excuse me? It sounds weird, but it's true. No, it makes... I totally get it just from my position that I'm in and me, like, having an easier time connecting different types of art together. Okay. Like I was saying before, like, if you don't think art is everything, it's like, you're an asshole. That's what I mean. Not that, like, oh, this cup is art. (laughs) But, like, music, visual, audio... Yeah. video, like all of this kind of no, stuff. I it mean, all medium creativity in general. Yes. I could agree with that. And like art isn't just a painting and a sculpture anymore. I mean I witness people who 
think it's that at the mattress factory all the time, just like gallery attending or being at the front desk. Uh, oh man, I had a man come up to me once. Fury is the most angry man I've ever dealt with my entire time there. And he like I think slams. I heard this story. Heard story? <laughs> I think I was there the day it happened. Really? <laughs> Where he like slams his hand down yeah. on my desk and he's like, this isn't art. And I'm like, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, it's not. I'm on the board of the Pittsburgh Orchestra, and I know what art is, obviously, and this is not art. I'm like, well, sir, uh, contemporary art and the installation movement is a legitimate art movement in, <laughs> in contemporary art. I'm like, There's no... I'm like, you can look it up. I'm like, I can Google like... installation art for you right now and show you that it's art. He's like, no, it is not. I do not want this. I want my money back. I'm like, sir because I don't want to give money back because, like, we need it. <laughs> and um, and I, it's a pride thing at this point. Sure. I'm giving this man money back. And I, I continue to argue with him. I'm like, I'm like, do you agree with me that, like, art is subjective? And he goes, yes. And I'm like, well, just because these aren't paintings or sculptures doesn't mean they're not art. And just because you don't like them doesn't mean they're not art. Would you agree with me there? And he goes, no, it's not art. And I'm like, oh my god. There was no, and he just yelled at me for a little bit longer, and I was sick of being yelled at, so I gave him his $15 back. I feel like I had that conversation a lot when I worked at Blockbuster over Lifties. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Arguing oh. the technicalities of if a movie was late or not. Uh, what is the, how do, you, how do you even argue that? I don't even know where to go from there. Time's a motherfucker. <laughs> That's insane. Like, I have a watch on me. Like, it's right here. <laughs> like, I can show you this watch and show you that you are a day and a half late. <laughs> and, uh, I don't even... What would people say? That doesn't even make sense. I can't even fathom what people would say. I have no idea. It's always not necessarily that it's, uh... Oh, the movie's late. Mm -hmm. But there's always a reason. Oh, okay. That it's late. And My that God, reason, blah, blah, blah. and that reason needs to be excused. Mm. You know, we need to lose money on behalf of your unfortunate scheduling. Your sob story, whatever yeah. it is, whatever it may be. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the only time I ever gave money back to someone, mm. and that's the only time anyone ever like screamed at me. Though I did have some people come up to me and be like, this is an art. And I'm like, okay. Really? Like, yeah. Like, people think that they're, like, the mayor of Art City and can decide <laughs> what, like, fucking art is. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't decide. You, a patron of this museum who have never been to a museum before, cannot decide what the art is. Yeah. But there are other people that say that installation art is incredibly welcoming and a little more easy to digest. So, you get different perspectives. I wish that... I had all the money in the world to, like, make the things that I have in my head happen. It's right? such right. a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. It's like, right, again, I'm, like, in the middle of this shit now with getting ready to release a new album mm -hmm. and having ideas for the presentation of the physical product that mm -hmm. are technically doable. Yes, but... But it's just, like, <laughs> that stupid thing of, like, money. Money is... Being so stupid, but so important. Yeah. And that makes me insane. 
there are so many things I could do with that gallery space and so many things I could do with the artists that we commissioned to be in there uh, to realize these like insane yeah. projects. I had mentioned earlier that I'm getting more into learning about like the business aspect mm -hmm. of music and planning and budgeting and things like that and that's nothing that i ever did because it was like yeah well that's not that stuff's not cool just make stuff and put it out there and people will like it yeah and now i understand that if i would have set aside the right budget mm -hmm. before i would have been able to like pay to make these things visible to yeah. the right people mm -hmm. and i'm sure that that's something that probably is connected with the art world mm -hmm. in some ways too it's just like money talks oh, and yeah. just like <laughs> A little bit here, a little bit there. Can you help me do this? Because nobody's just going to help me promote my work out of the kindness of their heart. No, of course not. I mean, maybe on a and smaller level. Like yeah. at that DIY level, yes. But once but you the, get It's to so that easy point. to hit that ceiling, though, mm -hmm. and get stuck so. there. And I feel like I've been banging on that ceiling for a couple of years. Yeah, hopefully you get through. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. I know. There's a, there's a, I think that transition is hard. Uh, because there's a gap <laughs> like there's a huge sure, gap because it. if you get to a point where you don't necessarily feel comfortable showing your work in smaller spaces okay but you don't have the connections to get your work where you think it needs to be yes there's like where, where, where you go no one yeah. will help you yeah yeah i agree with you i definitely agree with you because i even in pittsburgh you can see it pretty obviously uh between like the Penn Avenue galleries and like Runaway and like the Wood Street Gallery and like all of like the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust like people like Wood Street and Space like they're they're still smaller than institutional level art uh places like the Carnegie and like even the Mattress Factory but they get the funding and like that's where it's going because they're already established there's no grant being like let me help you establish you like and you just have to get to that point yeah which is everyone's asking how but no one has an answer <laughs> yeah at least that's what i've experienced so far i have not found that answer yet <laughs> it's uh, it, it, i don't know <laughs> i i have no idea you know i'm constantly asking myself like struggle. what the fuck else am i supposed to do <laughs> I have no idea. I guess I've got to keep doing it better. <laughs> yes. You need to find the rich person, the rich patron. Ah, oh, man. Money. That's, like, equivalent to that. It's, like, trying to find, like, a label or something. Somebody yeah, I think give so. a shit about you. Yeah. You know, like, I hear all these, it's like... like, you have to have money or someone who has money has to sponsor your project. I hear all these stories about bands that used to be on the label that I work for. Okay. And... It's always, like, these assholes mm. that are just given these good opportunities. Like, my yeah. boss is complaining about, like, uh, like, you know, these guys were, like, a pretty good band, but they just blew it all on drugs, and they're fucking around doing this and that. And it's like, ugh. <laughs> I'm, like, such a responsible person with, like, an okay body of work and a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> Why has nobody given me a chance? I it's like, know. if I was a complete fuck-up... <laughs> Would I be better off? I don't know. Sometimes I think so. Like, would that would the aesthetic of me being like some like coked out mastermind, like somebody like, oh, there's something here. 
this, am I like too adjusted oh, for any? But there's a brand to that. There's a branding to that fucked oh, up yeah. like artist and that fucked up musician. That's just so alluring to people yeah, sure. because there's an image to it. Yeah. But like the the sobering, like hardworking person is not glamorous. But that's gonna happen. I mean, I, just... I see the same thing. I would say. Uh, of female artists in the contemporary art world. I mean, since forever, actually, since art has been displayed as art. Um, there's just statistics out there that show that, like, male artists are, like, always more successful, and there are always more artists in these art shows. So a lot of galleries and museums go out of their way to bring in female artists to, like, bring up that ratio. But are they bringing in those female artists because they're good artists? Yeah. Or is there just better male artists at this point in time? I, I, it's hard to believe that there's not good female artists out there, though. So, like, there yeah. has to be some sort of stigma with it. But, um, like, sometimes maybe if you get, like, 50 applicants to your to your gallery and, like, you're taking 10, maybe the best 10 are male. Yeah. We don't know that. <laughs> so I think that's where the problem, I, that's a similar problem in the art world. I mean, it, it goes with different races as well. But I've spoken about the male-female um separation is probably the most yeah, I think I've it, read it's about. Like, it's so hard for me too. Like I don't even like like I just like people are people. Like everything's cool for mm-hmm. me. And it's like so I still get it's like I know that these things are a real thing. Yes. But I just don't even think about it. I agree. So if I was in a position mm-hmm. that I had to curate from a list of fifty down mm-hmm. to ten. I wouldn't even think like oh I, need I to better bring in female artists. I would just be like, what are the best ten? Yeah, and it you know they might be all white males. Yes, and I wouldn't think about it, and then you know you have people like, oh, Brian Howe's a fucking <laughs> racist, misogynist, hates women, hates black people, can't do anything. Yeah, you know I'm not like I just I don't yeah. think that way about people because it's so normal for us. Yeah, I I, I agree. I had this instance with my mother the other day where she was telling me about, like, this, uh, she was in the mall, and someone came up to her and wanted her to sign a petition to never say the R word. And I literally could not figure out what the R word was. Do you know what the R word Did she R make you is? guess it? I had to guess. Oh, I told her to make me guess, because I could not figure out what the R word was. Do you know what the R word is? Um, I mean, for the sake of the conversation, I should probably try to figure it out quick. <laughs> But give me give me a couple of minutes. Okay, you can cut this out. The R word for what was the what was this again? <laughs> to never say the R word. To pledge never to say the R word ever again. If you still say it. <laughs> um, I didn't know. I had to ask. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I don't know if I want to say it because it's like I still think I'm just gonna say it. Uh, I'm not saying this to be offensive, but more for like storytelling purposes. It was retard. Oh. And I, I, that, le- that word is so out of my, like, conversation yeah, language. Yeah, I would never I use that word, yeah. Yeah, so it's, like, at that point where, like, like, these offensive things are gone in your head because they're so offensive that they don't exist anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, retard was actually, like, the first word that I used as a child that I was, I understood was offensive. Okay. Because I had a best friend who had a mentally challenged brother. Mm-hmm. And one time I was at their house, I mean, granted, we were, like, you know, young, like, mm-hmm. seven or eight, and I, mm-hmm. I said the retard word. Yeah. And, um, 
his mom explained it to me, and I was like, oh, wow, I felt horrible yeah. as a kid for using this word. Well, but, it's like, nice that she ever, explained it to Ever you. since then, yeah. I have never it's gone. used it. Yeah. You know, maybe, like, as a teen, like, you know, a young kid, like, oh, that's retarded, but I never... People, yeah. You know, I, like, that's... Stu- it, but it's but completely, like... But, like, that's gone like, after high school. It's, like, it's completely filtered out of my... I agree. And like, I couldn't even figure out what it was. I'm surprised that people were still using it. I was surprised as well. I, I feel... I don't even rarely hear it come up. I don't think I hear it Since, either. like, that so Black Eyed like... Peas song. <laughs> <laughs> how was that a song? <laughs> how, was, how did that get by any producer ever? <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, my God. How offensive. <laughs> yeah, I think that was, like, the... Blockbuster. Back, so that's the second time I'm talking about working at Blockbuster today. But they play. They would play the music video when I worked there. So this was. We're talking like. What did they change? Two thousand. Let's get it started. That's it. Yeah. Two thousand two, three, four. That is way, that, like, that would have way been late. Yeah. Like like decades late. <laughs> yeah. That's way too late. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, what a mess. How did they not get in more trouble for that? Well, I think that, you know, obviously the radio version was, let's yeah. get it started. Yeah. But, you know, you get the album and, I mean, I, on the grand scheme of things, yes. that's pretty minimal compared to a lot so. of shit that's I out there. So, yes. It's just so, it's not really like a, how could you do that? It's just like a, really? It just felt that they said it so many times. Oh, yeah. The entire song was repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated. repeated. Like, just, like, banging it into your fucking head. And you're like, I can't say this. I can't dance to this. (laughs) Maybe it helped the cause. Yeah, but the fact that someone's still petitioning about that? Why is that still being petitioned about? I thought that word was completely out of use at this point. I don't know. Where was this at? It was at South Hills Village Mall. Okay, well, that's your first problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the suburbs. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, maybe the suburbs are way The person, like, fell asleep behind the Goodyear tire 15 years ago and just woke (laughs) up. And it's like, oh, Oh, man, I have to do something. (laughs) Change the world. Completely forgot. Well... I think we can wrap up. This has been pretty good. Cool. <laughs> I hope I was entertaining enough. Yeah, yeah. This, this was this was a, a great conversation. It's good talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for coming Thank over. Thank you for having me. And uh, then we can stop this, and then we can. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Pretty good talk, right? Krista's a cool girl. And yeah, I'm happy that happened. I don't know what else to say. Come back again next week for another conversation. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. I am Sykes. Start the beat. 2015. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.